0: Psalm 111 combines the call to worship and the call to wisdom, which uh, connects pretty directly to our text that we're going to be studying this morning. Hear these words. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious. And his righteousness endures forever. He has made, he has done, his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He gives food to those who fear him. He will be ever mindful of his covenant. The works of the Lord are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure and stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Brothers, sisters in Christ, our help is in the name of the Lord, the God who created, the God who sustains all things. Receive His greeting. Grace unto you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right. Um, turn next with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 I think is a great summation of the New Testament's ethic, how we are to live, how we are to think, how we are to interact with the Word. Uh, We'll begin at verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3, and we will read through the end of the chapter, which includes some admonitions to husbands and wives, which seems fitting on Father's Day, and actually, Happy Father's Day to uh, those of you that are, are fathers, Uh, Let's read these 25 verses. If then, since then, it's the same concept, since then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. For these, you, you too once walked. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, you, when you are living in them, but now you must put away, all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. Here there is no there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or an uncircumcised, <laughs> barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on them, as chosen, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey everything, those who are in everything, those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as men-pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a, your reward, you are serving the Lord's Christ, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. would invite you to turn of me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 7. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that um, I've been preaching through the first chapters of Proverbs for quite some time. And uh, the funny thing is, is the more you study and pay attention to the individual verses and parts that you find in the Scriptures, I think the more they make sense. Uh, they are more clear and helpful and, and direct in what uh, is conveyed. Uh, you may have noticed a few props on the pulpit here. This isn't really normal. <laughs> it's not usually what I do, but we have some safety goggles over here and over there. You may not even notice this one. It's a string with a little bow on it. Why would, why, why would somebody tie a string on their hand? I guess you'll find out. And, you know, for the bright outdoors, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of protection. That was an afterthought I had in the car while I was driving. Uh, but my contention, my thought, not really contention, is that chapter 7, uh, the first five verses, the first four verses is the meat and potatoes. And the rest of the chapter is just an illustration. It's an example... Of if you do this, then this will happen. If you don't do this, then this might happen. And I think that's really the role of those last verses. So we're going to read them at the beginning now, and then I'm going to read the last part uh, after we studied the first four verses for uh, the, the last part of our, our, our sermon, our study. So here the Word of God. Proverbs chapter seven. My son, keep my words. And treasure up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call inside or understanding your intimate friend. To keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house I looked out through the lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. He didn't do the things that were told to do. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the time of night, in darkness, to behold, and behold, the woman meet them, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She's loud and wayward, her feet do not stay home. Now in the streets, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him with a bold face. She says to him, "I have, I I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, color, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon." Let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He is gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon he will come home. With much seductive speech she persuades him. With her smooth talk she compels him. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as a stag is caught fast, till the arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into the snare, he does not know it will cost him his life. And now, sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her path, for many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, day is designated as Father's Day, I thought it would be good to interact with another passage from Proverbs that addresses the roles and the protection provided by wisdom and her ways. If I were to have a show of hands, which I'm not doing, and would ask who of you want to be wise, I would venture to say, you'd probably all raise your hand. I would hold you. Who wants to be fool Right? Yeah. There's a better question. It's not who wants to be wise, because we've already seen, at least in our studies from Proverbs one and two, that wisdom doesn't just happen. It doesn't fall down from the sky and hit us on the head. It takes a good degree of work and, and persistence. In fact, one of the phrases that comes to mind: "If you search for her as for silver, and" seek her as lost treasure and gold you know, people in gold mines they, it's, we're talking tonnage of material that they have to procure from the earth and then the outcome of that, the, that tonnage is ounces. big deal hard work uh, sometimes it doesn't even pay and of course that's the challenge right So the question isn't who wants to be wise. The question really, I think, is how many are willing to do what is necessary in order to become wise? Or more to the point on Father's Day, how many who will do what they can to ensure that their children learn wisdom and live accordingly? A month or so ago I preached, it was the 15th of May, Uh, Noel was confirmed, we touched on the role of parents, of moms and dads, and the training up of their children. Well, This morning we're going to cover some of that same ground, but now it's not so much about parents doing their job, which they should, it's more about their kids, who hears their words, and are they really listening? Uh, Is the Word of God impacting hearts and minds and lives. So we will see that the law of God is the measure by which wisdom is known. Parents, and fathers in particular, are to guide their children with wisdom's words. So we'll look at these first four verses mostly, and we will see first the instruction of wisdom. And if you've read the first six chapters, you've heard most of this before. Secondly, we'll look at the methodology of wisdom, and then thirdly, the illustration of wisdom. First, the instruction of wisdom. What do we read there? It says, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commands with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to keep wisdom. And, and the word keep is actually the same word. Uh, I didn't know this until I listened to the Sunday school lesson we're having in Omaha this morning when I'm up there. Uh, from Gen- Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. God put Adam in the garden to tend and to keep it. And what I didn't realize before, which the speaker pointed out, it's the same word. As we have here in chapter 7. Keep my words. And and, and and to bolster it, it's a military term. Set a guard, set a watch. Protect what's on the inside by you know putting your spears on the outside, as it were. And yet, as wisdom comes to us, it comes to us as parental. We've seen this all the way through. But most every chapter shows with my son. My sons and daughters. It's really a, a, an affirmation, not of earthly relationship to our physical parents, but it's a spiritual connection to our, our <coughs> Heavenly Father. In fact, when we, in Romans chapter 6, I think it is, what does the Spirit that God has put within us cry out? a Father. He is our heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. So the fact is we are sons and daughters of the great King. We are in a particular relationship with God Almighty that is distinct from the rest of the population on earth. But with such a designation comes rights and responsibilities, privileges, even high esteem, opportunities, and yet also accountability. You know, there are some that would argue about infant baptism. It's, it's, it's a great, virtuous doctrine and teaching. But it's the same kind of the same relationship that, that Israel had to God. It says, do what I say, or you'll face a, a greater judgment. You'll, you'll face a stricter judgment. So it, it's a wonderful blessing that we have a spiritual connection to each other, to our parents, uh, to our children, to the church of all ages. And yet with privilege comes responsibility. In fact, you read Old Testament history and we're told that Israel becomes worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that. Israel becomes worse than Sodom and Gomorrah which God destroyed with fire and brimstone from heaven. Why did He do that? Well, He punished the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah because the outcry rose to heaven. Can you imagine what God hears today? In our world. Um, and, and, and so it is that the the instruction that comes it's good news, but don't take it lightly. In fact, uh, the apostle Paul says, "If you think that you stand on your own by your virtue, by because of who you are and what you've done, if you think that you stand, take heed." lest you walk. As I prayed earlier, it's not one of us that deserves to be here. Not one of us that deserves to be brought into the kingdom. To be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That that the God of the universe spoke and brought heaven and earth and all things into existence. Stars, planets, know your name. Love you with an everlasting love? Sent his son to die for you so that you could be brought into his kingdom? Such thoughts are almost wrong. Well, back to the instruction of this passage. My son, keep my works, treasure up my commandments, keep my commandments and live, keep my teachings. As the apple of my eye. What 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 is the direct object here? Keep what? My law, my words, my commands. Of course, the premise of such words is revelation, inspiration, communication of God making things known to us. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. This should be a verse you know, by the way. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children that we might do, all that God said. And and so, of course, uh, uh, part of the point here is that that's what it means to be wise. That's what it means to really know and understand these things. As far as the Bible goes, the way it uses knowledge and understanding... Uh, if, if we're not embracing the truth, if we're not holding fast to God's word and the command that, as it says right here, we don't really know it. Uh, in my confirmation classes, I have um, the kids recite the Ten Commandments, and they struggle sometimes. So I make them say it frontwards and backwards. Right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 nine, eight, seven, six, 5, 4, 3, 2, one. Because if we don't know it well enough to do that, then we really don't know it. Right? Our minds, our hearts, our moral compass, if you will, has to be set to the divine. And so the verbs here: keep my words, treasure my commands, keep my commands. And of course, this this is strong language. Why, why, why do you have to keep? Why do you have to guard? In fact, Psalm 121, uh, I lift up my eyes to the hills, so From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and the earth. And then seven times, six or seven times, the word keep is found. The Lord is your keeper. He is your protector. He is your guide, your guardian. He is the one who will provide all that you need. The end of verse two ups the ante just a little bit. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. What is that? Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Well, how do you? What what do you do to keep your eyes in good functioning use? If you're a welding, you put a helmet on, a, a mask that lets you see only so much through the lens. Um, if you're at the grindstone, right, you, you put you put protection on. And, and, and I think that that is part of what that means. You, you, and that's how we're supposed to regard the law and our commitment, our understanding uh, of that spiritual truth. Guard it. Protect it. Do whatever you have to do to make sure you don't lose sight of it. Why? Well, we only have two eyes. Maybe we know some. We've lost an eye to an accident. Well, for the most part, we need them both. And uh, it is akin to intentionally protecting our regard for what is right and true in God's word. If you know what's right, Paul says this at uh, the end of I think it's Romans chapter 15. If a person knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, for him it is sin. So do you do a bad thing? No, he fails to do the right thing. I think that's uh that's the arena in which we live. Um, we not only want to to recite. The, the right answers. We we need to embrace and believe and hold fast those very things. Mom. All right, the methodology of wisdom. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That we, we all have. We need reminders. Why do we need reminders? Well, because of the nature, the character of the human heart. It, it's like the old the perennial grass that looks greener where. On the other side of the fence, Right? So so is it, our our hearts play tricks on us. Wherein it would lead and confuse and uh, uh, direct us in ways that it ought not. So bind them on your fingers means what? I think these, actually the the exhortations in verse 3 and 4. I think it's really a, a, a hat's off, if you will, a hat tip to the fact that the human heart is prone not to, is prone to, toward failure, toward compromise. You know, the the leading of our bias is, is away from truth and righteousness. And so it takes persistent, it takes conscientious effort. To hold fast and to serve and to do that which is pleasing in God's life. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What do you suppose that means? I don't think it can mean anything except memorize the scriptures. Um, Jerry Bridges was a fellow with the Navigators. He wrote some great books The Pursuit of Holiness. That's what I'm remembering right now. But several books, trust me, The uh, the Grace of God. (coughs) Anyway. In most of his books, he comes to a point. He says, if you really want to make progress spiritually, you're going to have to memorize scripture. Because that's how spiritual growth takes place. Um, In fact, people in psychology talk about how your brain spins wrong stories. And and, and you're thinking, all you think about is those wrong stories. You know, you're wise and you're discouraged or disappointed in your husband. What are you thinking about? Man, he, he never does what he says. He always forgets what, he, what I tell him to do. He didn't pick up this. Is that right? That's right, isn't it? Well, <laughs> that, that's the problem, right? They're, they're just propulsive. And we need to run new takes in that head. You know, maybe some people struggle with their weight or with uh, feelings of worthlessness and stuff like that. Well, they need to have some new music. They need to have some new thoughts. And the very best thoughts are going to be found in here. I am the Lord your God. Mama. And I call you as my child, my son, my daughter. And as we reprogram, as it were, our hearts and minds, we are learning that which we need to learn. In fact, uh, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we read it last month. Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Right, And, and, and then God says to Moses, These words which I command you shall be in your heart. They shall be. How, how are they going to get there? Is your new favorite pillow? No. Okay. By, by reading and meditating upon the Word are you too busy for that are you too busy uh, we, we need to humble ourselves before God and acknowledge that uh, irregardless of our trials and troubles in this life he is eternally worthy of praise yeah. what, what does it say have look at verse 4 I would venture to say prove me right. wrong I would venture to say that none of you have done what this verse says to do. What does this verse tell you to do? Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call inside your intimate friend. Am I wrong? I don't think so. Wisdom you are my sister. You are—you are the one who always tells me the truth. No sisters. They'll be honest. They'll be clear. Well, of course. I think I, think I had it in my note. Maybe okay? we should—we should say this together as a congregation. Wisdom, you are my sister. Let's try it. Wisdom, you are my sister. And yet, saying those words. Is it really the adequate response to what this passage is looking for? Does it want us to say it? Absolutely. Are we supposed to, to do the commandments of God? No doubt. And yet the goal here is that that would function that way. Wisdom, you are my sister. You are my closest kin. You are my... Like, like David and Jonathan, your heart is even as my heart. David says to Jonathan, or Jonathan him. Yeah. They, they would have that commonality of commitment and love one to the other. And yet what we really need uh, is, is the activation of that. Who are you gonna listen to? Young person, old person. All of us in between? Who who has the final say in how you're gonna live? What you're gonna do? Lots of blogs you can read and listen to? Lots of radio, TV personalities. Who are you gonna listen to finally? Fully? Who are you gonna trust to the utmost? Well, that has to be the Lord. Now, this last verse is kind of a puzzle, and I think the key to understanding the rest of the passage. To keep you from the forbidden woman and the adulteress with her smooth words. And then it tells a story. We, we've heard most of this before in the previous chapters. So there's not really much new content, and that's why I think this last part of the chapter It's mostly an illustration of why we should keep wisdom and remember her words and follow our lives based on her commitment. Why should we do that? Well, because it's the only way, and the only path that will be taught. We don't have time to read that whole chapter, but the story is in fact, what does, the, what does the, the catechism say? It says that the devil, the world, and your, our own flesh cease not to attack us. Therefore, we should pray. Lead us not into temptations, but deliver us from the Because only God is able to grant and to give us what we need uh, to hold fast and to hold sway. Look down to verse 24. It's kind of the culmination of this whole argument. Now, O sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mom. <clears throat> Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her path. For many a victim she has laid low, well. and all her slain are mighty men mighty throne her house is the way to shield going down to the chain of. Christ. And so the, the thrust of this passage is what we ought not to do and, and, and if we do what wisdom says, we will not be off the path to the left or to the right. But of course if that is where we fail, then we end up paying a price that we probably are unwilling to do. Takeaway? This just might be the most important message that you've ever heard. Are you listening to wisdom? Does your life show a heart taught by the Spirit of God? Wisdom is who? Wisdom is the pre-incarnate Christ. Who has your best interest in heart? God's Word, God's Spirit, God's Truth. And of course, that is what we need to hear and need to receive. I'm going to finish the sermon with the first four verses. Once my son, keep my words and treasure, esteem, value, my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, You are my sister. And call understanding your closest friend. Amen? Father in heaven, we give thanks to you for this day. We thank you that your mercies are are sufficient, that your mercies supply us with what we need, Lord, give us ears to hear, minds that understand, wills, that are not bent on doing wrong, but are being conformed more and more to a life of joyful service and gratitude. Oh Lord, all this we ask to pray in Jesus' name, amen.